Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. I guess we should sing a song here, Josh. But we, as we've stated, there are no Thanksgiving songs. Yeah, and uh, we did Christmas song last time. Yeah. Well, now it's more set, I guess, right to do a Christmas song because we are in December. I, uh, chestnuts roasting <laughs> on an open fire. What if those magic cards roasting on an open fire? Well, how dare you? <laughs> well, it depends on the card, I suppose. If yeah. it's Blood Moon, then yes. Yeah, well, mm, fine. Whatever you say. <laughs> I'm not roasting my blood moons. They cost no. I was, gonna, bills. I was gonna roast your blood moons. Oh gosh, I'll be pay me back for them in that case. Uh, hey everybody, how's it going? I'm Jimmy Wong. You're listening to the Command Zone. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving or just a good end of November if you're international. Yes, I hope you ate way too much food like I did. Did you? I did. Did you? <laughs> I did. You went to Boston Market. We went the super lazy route. Uh, I was hanging out with Brian Tran, uh, one of my friends, uh, our friends that we met. Uh, he used to work for Riot, and now he's up at Twitch. And we got there Thursday on Thanksgiving, and it was like, all right, well, you guys want to go get, we're going to go get some food. So we went and stood in line at Boston Market, and apparently it's the busiest day of the year for them. That, it, it sort of makes sense, actually. Yeah, but they don't serve turkey. I had a bunch of what? chicken. I thought they served turkey, like, year-round. Uh, well, we definitely did not eat turkey. We ate chicken. Shows what I know about Boston Market. Yeah, I was surprised. I was like, oh, this is not terrible. Well, we are going to be continuing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to leave that behind. Yeah, um, please. I left it behind, too. <laughs> we're going to be continuing our uh, deck review series on the Commander 2015 product. Today, we are going to review the red and white, the Boros Precon with Kalemne. Saving the best for last, baby. Disciple of Iroas on the cover. Yeah. But we actually have a fairly large upkeep step today, so we've got a lot of stuff. So yeah, um, strap in or just go ahead and skip forward if you only care about the Calumny deck review. That's going to be in a little bit. But in but the if meantime, you care about contests. If you care about winning free stuff, then yeah. keep listening because we have a new contest. So our friends at Delray Spectra, uh, if you recall, we've done a few contests uh, with them in the past. They have a book. Well, actually, they have a TV series. Yes, this is actually really exciting. It's pretty cool. So I've been looking into this a lot because we mentioned this on the show before. Right. This is um, there's a TV series on MTV that's coming out in January. Uh, on January 5th, actually, is the premiere, and the series is called the Shannara Chronicles, 
and it's based on some of my favorite books from when I was a kid uh, by Terry Brooks. There's a whole series of books. There, the whatever, whatever of Shannara. So it'd be mm-hmm. like the Sword of Shannara, the Wish Song of the Shannara, and uh, the first season. I don't, I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work if they're mm-hmm. going to do like a different book each season, but at least when this show starts, it will be based on the book The Elf Stones of Shannara, which is, I think, the best book in the series. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. And uh, and this is a big show. I mean, it's got some big names attached, like John Favreau, who's the director of the Iron original Iron Man movies. Swingers. Uh, yep, is one of the executive producers. And um, it, it looks really cool. If you haven't checked it out, I would encourage you to go just Google the Shannara Chronicles. There's a couple trailers out. There's TV spots. There's all kinds of stuff. And it looks pretty sweet. I'm getting excited. Yeah. Dude, Jonathan Riss davies is in it. Yeah. I love that guy. He is awesome. He's a Gimli, if you didn't mm-hmm. know, from the Fellowship of the Ring. And my axe! <laughs> he sounds pretty much the exact same way when he's Sala in the Indiana Jones films. <laughs> and this time he's an elf, and last time he was a dwarf, but he still sounds the same. Really? <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be giving away 10 copies of the book Elf Stones of Shannara. So, 10 winners. Yes. 10 winners, just like the last few times. <clears throat> so... If you enter the contest, you'll be entered to win a copy of the book, and hopefully you can read it before January 5th and then watch the series. Yeah, and entering this time is incredibly simple. We've had some steep entry requirements in the past that required you to think. In this case, it's actually very simple. All you have to do is send us a tweet or an email or a comment on either the Rocket Jump podcast page on rocketjump.com or our YouTube page. And all you have to let us know is which legendary creature from the new Commander 2015 product you've been having the most fun with. Now... This can also mean you have the most fun playing against, uh, in case you haven't bought either any of the new product, but or if you have you know brewed with it, played with it, let us know. Yeah, you even can... if you're just tinkering around online with it, anything that's like sparking your own inspiration. Yeah. Which commander are you most excited? So email us at commandcast at rocketjump.com or tweet at us at commandcast or post on our YouTube page uh, on the actual video, this video, or on our rocketjump.com slash the command zone home website. And you will be entered to win. Oh, we should say, this podcast comes out on Tuesday. Oh, yes. On Thursday nights, we record. So that's your window. Yes. If you listen to it on Friday, then don't bother entering. It'll be too late. We'll already have chosen the winners. But, you know, that just means (laughs) next time, make sure you listen to the podcast on time so you can enter all the contests. Yep. So starting December 8th, which is when this podcast comes out, all the way until uh, 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, December 10th. And you do want to win this book. It is a very good book. I recently reread it. I think I actually talked about it on an end step. Um, I don't remember which episode. Anyway, on to the next. Oh, this is a cool one. Yeah. I've never shouted out anything like this on on the show, and neither have you. Um, Win condition cards. So I was ordering a bunch of stuff on TCG Player. I have a lot of win conditions in my deck, yes. (laughs) Uh, I was ordering a bunch of stuff on TCG Player. For my Mizzix deck, I'm building a Masaryk deck, I'm thinking about an Azuri deck, so I was just ordering a bunch of stuff. And um, I ordered, I decided to order like extras of all the Shocklands, and turns out I ordered four Steam Vents from one of the TCG uh, vendors Mm -hmm. named, and the name of the vendor is Win Condition Cards. And I noticed after a couple weeks I hadn't received the package. And so on TCG Player, you can message the vendor directly, and I did, and I said, hey... I don't know what happened, but I never received this package, and mm. it should have arrived last week, and it's about a week overdue, and I just want to make sure you guys sent it out, or there's no mistake, or whatever. I'm going to find where you live. I'm going to get those No, I didn't say lines. anything like that. I was, <laughs> you know, and and I, and and they, they emailed me back immediately, and they're like, oh my gosh, we thought we sent it. We're really sorry. Um, we're going to send out another package right away, and if 
if both show up, if you could just please let us know and we'll figure that out. Nice. Um, you know, but we're going to send this right away. And actually, like, a couple days later, I got the four uh, Steam Vents, and they were just handled it so quickly and so awesome. I just wanted to, you know, a lot of people complain when things go wrong, but they don't shout out when things go well. And this yeah. wind condition cards, they, that was really good service. And I was really excited that it was so easy and so simple. And so I would say, if you're on TCG player and you see those guys win condition cards and you have a choice between them and someone else, I'm pretty sure that they are stand-up guys or girls. Yes. That's so. great. Um, I love TCG player. It's so great to be able to like, it feels like you're actually shopping because it's like, oh, I like this deal from this guy. And like, I'm going to combine shipping over here and stuff. Right, exactly. Uh, and they recently had a, a Black Friday deal where you get 5% back on whatever purchase you made for, for future purposes. I purposes, may or purchases. may not have taken a lot of advantage of that. I took advantage of that as well. It was very <laughs> fun. Um, I actually went up to San Francisco as well this last weekend, and I got to draft revised. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I mean, don't be too jealous. No, I'm I got, totally jealous. I got about four real picks out of every single pack before well, it was wait, just you're, old Wait, you're crap. skipping past the setup here. Right. Okay, so the store is Anime Imports. It's run by this really awesome guy named Mike. You've heard Professor from Tillerian Academy talk about this place yeah, yeah. all the time. Professor is LGS. Yeah. yeah, and it's awesome. It's like this small, uh, quaint store in South San Francisco. Um, it's right by the water. It's really great, and uh, I guess Mike has been trying to hold a revised draft for i don't know months now and he's had this box prof actually talked to me about it when he was in town a couple weeks ago because he came to visit us and he was like hey you know we want to set this revised draft but the price tag the buy-in is 300 dollars, and so it's just hard to find enough people and i was like next time i'm up there i'm in yeah but you guys didn't wait for me no we unfortunately didn't uh i got up there and it was the friday after thanksgiving and the professor was like i think mike's gonna do it tonight you think he's found enough people like are you in or are you out and everyone else i was with was like hi you know i'm not gonna give 300 bucks just to hopefully open a couple of really good like dual lands and i was like ah screw it i'm in <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's my man jimmy yeah so cha-ching goes the uh the bank as i entered in and i draft a revised it was really funny because those packs sometimes you can get a land in the rare slot in those booster packs oh yeah and sometimes there'll be three or four lands in the pack right yeah every single pack had at least three or four lands every, essentially like if it was a 15 card pack the last uh five to six picks were all lands or just horrible or cards. just horrible horrible cards yeah, yeah. um it was really interesting because a two mana two two is a very good creature. Yeah, for sure. Um, things like the giant spider, which is like a four mana two four with reach. I think it's like hey, that card's still around. Yeah, it's still around, but the card is absolutely ungodly and revised. <laughs> um, I ended up first picking a uh, disintegrate. Pretty good. Which is my oh so no red X spell. Yeah, red X spell. I think I was either that or a fireball. I saw either you way. had a fireball for sure. And a lightning bolt, too. And a lightning bolt. And uh, a pestilence. And a pestilence. And a Tim. And a Tim. My man. Yeah, Tim was great. I was he so did, proud of you Because there's that. a ton of one toughness yeah. creatures that come out. Um, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. I you had a up... control magic? Yeah. Dude, your deck was bombing. I, like, I looked magic. at it and I was like, <laughs> well, sorry, we're burying the lead. How many dual lands did you pull? Zero. <laughs> but I looked at your deck. And I was like, "It's legit." That deck is strong. You had a lot of like <laughs> bomby cards. Pestilence is a bomb in that format. Fireball is a bomb. Yep. Control Magic's a bomb. I also had Singer Vampire. Yeah, which is actually a bomb because it, a four yeah, four, it's four a flyer. Four four. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, and that's I, why Giant Spider's so good is because there's only a couple cards that get through uh, four toughness. Yeah. in the air. So, um, 
Yeah. It was well, we didn't even say the the way the draft was set up. It was three hundred dollars enter, but there was a prize structure. What was the prize structure? Yeah. So first place, if you went three zero, got four packs revised, and then went three for t- second place and two and two for third and fourth place. So essentially, if you got at least second place, you were getting about ninety dollars per pack. You were getting like two hundred seventy dollars back packs pack wise. Uh-huh. Uh And Mike's a really awesome guy. He um he doesn't like care if you want to switch in for store exchange usually they'll skimp you on the prices if you're like oh you want store credit we'll give you a little less or whatever but mike because again if you're going to use store credit it means you're just paying it back to the store right. um let me exchange all my packs for store credit and with that money i just bought uh revised dual lands that he had <laughs> so you actually basically pulled dual lands i pulled dual lands from another set instead from not from revised from unlimited right <laughs> now um you you got to the finals and then chopped. Is that what happened? Yeah. So we ended up chopping. We both went one game, one game, and then we looked at each other and it's like, yeah, you guys just want to chop and just like you know split the last. And we we're like, sure. And it came down to it. I had a Sanger Vampire out. He was at four life. He swings in and he top decks a Drain Life for four, and uh... I die. And I was like, oh, I should have blocked because I had eight power in the air. And I was like, there's no way he can kill me because uh, Drain Life takes a lot of black man attacks right. to make it work. It's not like an X spell, so that was uh, that was a little sad, but it didn't matter because we we split anyway. So right, you were just playing for fun at that point. Yeah, very cool. So jealous. How often does anybody have a chance to even draft something a set that old? It was insane. Yeah, we cracked the box and everything. I got to meet a couple of listeners to the podcast as well. So shout out to you guys. I got to play a game with a couple of them. It was really nice. Very cool. Um, we actually back here in LA, the remainder of our play group, which is like. Um, Josh Kim from All Chat, who's mm-hmm. uh, on All Chat with you. Andy Belford, who works for Riot. Another guy, Adam, who works for Blizzard. All these game people. Our friend Vinny, Craig. We got together, got to play a bunch of EDH, a bunch of Cube. I got to try out my new Mizzix deck. How is it? It's bonkers. <laughs> Mizzix, I, I fully tuned it, right? So yeah. I haven't I, I haven't built like a fully tuned, like powerful deck, but lately our playgroup has it started to skew a little more powerful because uh, our friend a little we- more powerful. Our friend boy. Wesley came in and Josh Kim came in and they're and they're sort of more spiky competitive players and so their decks, which I'm totally fine with, are are stronger than what yeah. our playgroup has had. And so I was like, oh, I need another strong deck because these guys are going infinite sometimes or casting Armageddon sometimes. And again, I'm not complaining at all. That's fun, but I needed I need another deck that can compete yeah. like at that power level. So I decided, okay, Mizix, I'm gonna build it. Uh, from the ground up to be it's too powerful it's too powerful it's crazy it's funny because your other like i'm gonna win deck is also blue red right yeah joira is the other one and then i have a derevi which is really stacks yeah it's mean i only pull that one out if somebody actually sort of makes me mad or if i lose like five <laughs> games in a row but mizix is yeah i think it's probably like narset almost power level wise it's mm-hmm. very 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 strong it's probably a little harder to get started right because with narset you can cast her and then attack and then just but win. the thing is mizix only costs four mm-hmm. and so if you untap on turn five with mizix it's i don't unless the whole table right away right then decides to start targeting you it's you're so strong so fast yeah because you untap with mizzix um you, and you just say you go, play right? like a yeah Unless it, you or you play like, like a, a ponder, ponder or yeah. something and then you say go and you have every you can do almost anything like your whole deck is basically instance maybe a couple sorceries ton of card draw ton, ton of, of card draw ton of counters anything that's going to come your way you're going to counter it you know I had a bunch of first turns where I'm like, okay, or not first turns, but untap with Mizzix, play um, Brainstorm, respond to that with Mystical Tutor, oh go get Tezzeret's Gambit, draw that with the Brainstorm, cast it. I've already got four counters. Yeah. 
the next spell that gets played, I cast Rewind, untap all my land. Oh, boy. It's over. Yeah. The, the game's over. I've got seven cards, five counters on Mizzix, all my land untapped. And you can basically cast anything, stop anything. If you get a Firemind's Foresight or a, you know. What's the best card in the deck? The best card in the deck Fire is. Firemind's Foresight's probably up there because it gets a win condition every time, right? It's very, very good. Um, probably Tezzeret's Gambit, though, because it's. Really? Because you can cast it for free. And proliferate. And proliferate. And it's a four drop. So it usually adds two experience counters, draw two cards. You didn't pay any mana. But you pay two life. Yeah. it's <laughs> it, That card is insane. Um, you play stuff. I, I, the, the deck is very, very good. It's Like I said, it's probably too good. In fact, I was going to put Spellburst in the deck, and I decided not to because I decided that was too mean. Wow. But Reiterate mm-hmm. is in the deck, and that's probably too good. I want to buy Invoke Prejudice so I can play it in my Mizzix deck. Oh, man. I used to, yeah, I used to have an Invoke That card's deck. brutal. But the thing is, I don't know you you would run or run it. In fact, we're going to do an episode because I know you're building one. Mm-hmm. I built one, so we're going to break down Mizzix. I don't want to go into it too much detail, but the more I've played it and Goldfish with it, the more I pulled out anything that wasn't an instant or sorcery. I think I only have about four cards in the whole deck that aren't an instant or wow. sorcery. Yeah, I only have two creatures. Yeah, you don't really need too many creatures. Yeah. Yeah, I only I have Snap trap, and Kid actually, Jace. If you're putting too many in there, oh you th- nice! You think you want like the get cards out of my graveyard and whatever, but you don't. You never care about that. Yeah, you're just you're just powering through. You it just want point. your mana up at all times to cast instants. Yeah, very nice. Well, that is uh, interesting. I do not look forward to playing against that deck. Slash, well, it'll be I, interesting. I look forward to it'll it. be interesting. A, a Mizzix deck against a Mizzix deck might be really interesting. It might just cancel each other out, so the rest of the people yeah. can actually play. Yeah, interesting indeed. <laughs> so let's get to it. It's time for the main topic. It's the Commander 2015 deck review of the white-red Boros pre-con called Wade into Battle. I don't think Wade is the right word for this deck. <laughs> There's giants in here. It's There's more no like water. charge into battle. Yeah, it's stomp into battle. There's Why no the heck water. Is it wade into battle? I have no idea. Uh, Maybe it's because they have to wait till turn five to essentially make calumny. We should be careful. Like our buddy James Bianca or somebody probably named this. Yeah, it was James, I'm sure. <laughs> um, Either way, there's a good reason, I'm sure. Okay, so we'll start where we always start. We'll read the three uh, legendary creatures. Two are new. One is a reprint. The the girl on the cover, the cover girl, if you will. We've talked about before. It's Kalemne, Disciple of Iroas. Iroas. Legendary creature, giant soldier for two. A red and a white, so four mana total. For a 3-3, three, three, Kalemne has double strike and vigilance. Whenever you cast a creature spell with converted mana cost five or greater, you get an experience counter. Kalemni, Disciple of Eros, gets plus one, plus one for each experience counter you have. All right. So she's a big beater. Uh, we talked about how we were not very excited about this card, but it is the key card of the deck, and it certainly is the commander I think you want to play in the deck as well. Yeah, it, and what Kalemni likes is big creatures that cost a lot of mana. She's Voltron-y because she has double strike, uh, and she's giant, so she is a giant, I should say. So giant tribal is also a thing. Yeah, totally. Uh, another one of the legendary creatures, a new creature that our friend, uh, the man source, spoiled, actually. This is Wedge's card. Yeah, good job, Wedge. This is a, it's a great one. It's Anya, Merciless Angel. Three, a red and a white for a 4-4 four, four legendary creature angel with flying. Anya gets plus three, plus three for each opponent whose life total is less than half of his or her starting life total. And as long as an opponent's life total is less than half his or her starting life total, Anya has indestructible. So if Josh is at 20 life... Has to be less. 19 life. Anya's a 7-7 flyer for five mana, indestructible. But if Craig is also at 19 life... 10-10. Yeah. Um, But if you kill one of those opponents, 7-7. 
Yeah, that's kind of a weird thing about Anya is that when an opponent dies, they're not in the game anymore, and it doesn't matter what their life total is. So Maybe that's when she has mercy on them. Killing people also, but well, she's merciless. Right. So she never has mercy. Darn. She, she is without mercy. She she's, is, a non, well, she's a non-bow into herself. Yeah. She, it's not that she has no mercy. She just has less mercy than most people. There she's mercy less. Less. <laughs> <laughs> That's how English works, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty All sure. Right, cool. Um, she's a weird one. I think the way that you want to build her is to encourage aggression among your opponents. Yeah. And Like with our... Uh, Left of the Raging Storm, our spoiler card. Yeah, yeah. So Right of the Raging Storm is a good one. Things that cause people to have to attack. Um, and then anything that does damage indiscriminately to all players, that feels like that would go pretty well. So Heartless yeah. Hit at Sugo, that kind of stuff. Um, that's Anya. And then the last legendary creature in the deck is a reprint. It's Gisela, Blade, Blade of, of Gold Knight. Knight. Yeah. I'm glad they reprinted this. This is a very good card. Probably... Boy, I could be wrong here, but probably the best Boros Commander. I think you're right. Yeah, um, it's a very strong card. Gisela, Blade of Gold Knight, four, one red, and two white. So seven mana total for a 5-5 five, five Flying Angel with First Strike. If a source would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent an opponent controls, that source deals double that damage to, a pl- to that player or permanent instead. So all your opponents, even if they're doing damage to each other, yep. all of them and their stuff takes double damage. And then if a source would deal damage to you or a permanent you control, prevent half that damage rounded up. So all <laughs> any damage from anywhere to your stuff is halved. Yeah, that is incredibly powerful. Um, if you Voltron the deck with Gisela in it, you could straight up kill someone in one turn very easily. Super she'll, easily. She'll just, as long as she's swinging for 11, you know, boom, done. And because of the way that it works, they're actually incentivized to attack each other because any attacks they do to you is halved, but any attacks mm-hmm. they do to each other is doubled. So in the short term, it's if I'm Craig and, you know, Jimmy has this card out, I'm going to attack, you know, Vincent because I'm going to do double damage to Vincent, even yeah. though in, in the short term, that's great. In the long term, it's kind of bad because Jimmy's just sitting there laughing. Yeah, she's kind of like two world enchantments that are sitting on the same card. Um, on a like, five five flyer, yeah, it's kind of like furnace of wrath, similar or like uh, um, the what is this, the uh, the red dictator of twin gods, I think. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Damage doublers. Yeah, but it, I mean, the fact that she prevents half that damage to you or permanence is insane. I mean, it makes everything so much harder to block. It's even hard to kill her in combat because she's going to deal ten damage to your creature just without any enchantments or artifacts, and they're only going to deal half that to her. Also, a lot of red stuff is like do X amount of damage to all creatures and players. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, that does half to you, half to your creatures, but double to them and their creatures. Yeah, that's very So powerful. you cast an Earthquake for, you know, six. It does three to your guys, 12 to their guys, and 12 to them, but only three to you. It's yeah. crazy. Giselle is very, very powerful. Listen, if, you want, if, you, if you're playing with your buddies and you're playing these straight out of the box like we've been talking about, Giselle is very possibly who you should run as your commander, but that's actually kind of boring. Yeah, for us I to agree. say, yeah, so, because there's a lot of you know, Calumny is a giant, and there are giants in this deck, and I think that's what they're want they they want to go for, you know. Yeah, um, so we're gonna say you should probably run Calumny, but Gisela is <laughs> is not a bad choice. Yeah. Anya, I don't see. And well, let's look at the stats here. Indeed, we're getting out of order. I suppose. stat breakdown. Stat. Do, 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 do. Wow, stat breakdown has its own theme song. Yeah, I, I imagine <laughs> I a really cool have graphic. The, too. You remember the Inside Edition? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was almost a perfect re- recreation of it. Uh, we're not watching Inside Edition right now. <laughs> um, 
Oh my god. Stats. 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 That was the. Never mind. Okay. The, the letters being printed yeah, on stage, yeah, yeah. On, on the page, kind of like like bullets, like do 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 do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Nice. Okay. Man, Everyone's got great. that visual. This is awesome. <laughs> okay. All right. Here's the stats. Um. So we always start with ramp and card draw. The deck has about twelve ramp cards, which is actually the most of That's any great. precon deck. This deck needs it. And the deck really does need it because Calumny wants you to cast uh, creatures with CMC 5 or more. So you're going to need mana to do that. Now, the downside is that 100% of these ramp cards, all 12 of them, are artifacts. Sounds like red-white to me. Yep, because red and white don't actually do ramp very well. Um, that's a little bit scary because one Vandal Blast will ruin your whole, whole day. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, the equivalent. And... There's going to be some people out there going, no, there's some, there's like a Rescos Explorer. That's, no, that's not ramp. A Rescos Explorer puts, um, lands into your hand. Yep, not into the battlefield. Yep. So ramp is when you have more mana than whatever turn it is. So if you have six mana available on turn five, then you've ramped. If you have Dang. five mana available on turn five, then you've just played your land for turn every turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, ramp is being ahead on mana. So anyway, 12 ramp spells, that's a lot. Card draw spells. There's only five. Hmm. Uh, some of this is some of the card draw is sort of conditional, so I, I sort of docked it half a point and rounded to five. So if you're counting, you may get to like six, six and a half, seven. But some of it's right. like only when you deal combat damage and stuff like that. And and five is not very many. And my worry when there's five card draw spells but twelve ramp spells is that you're gonna have a lot of games where you where you start off and you go, you know, signet basalt monolith. Another mana rock. Now right. I have no cards in my hand. So that I have is, I have nine mana available, but I have nothing to cast. Yeah, that is actually a very crappy feeling. Yeah. And that happened to me when I played this deck a couple times too. Yeah, and I think that it's very scenario. I think it's very possible just because it's great to have a lot of ramp, but if you don't also have a lot of card draw, then the consistency of your deck can be horrible. Yeah. So that would be one of my worries. Certainly. Um now board wipes and single target removal are the next two. Board wipes, there's seven. That's great. This is far and away the most we've seen in any of the precons. Now, again, it's seven-ish because with red, it's sort of tough to say board wipe because do you count a spell that says deal four damage to all creatures and all players as a board wipe? Yeah. It sort of is. It sort of isn't. So maybe it's six and a half or five and a half board wipes, but it's a lot. Yep. We're talking cards like Earthquake and uh, Meteor Blast and stuff. Uh, Single target removal. There's about six. So that's that's good. That's solid. I think that's around the right number. All right, let's get specific. Creatures with CMC converted mana cost five or more. So these are creatures that give you experience counters if Kalemni's out. There are 23. So a decent that's amount. Pretty, yeah, it's pretty decent, uh, considering there are like well, probably 30 creatures in the deck. Yep, there are exactly 30 creatures. So only seven creatures have CMC four or less. <laughs> uh Giant tribal pieces. So these are either giants or stuff like Stink Drinker Daredevil, which makes your giants cost less. Uh, there's also a tribal sorcery called, uh, sorry, tribal instant called Crib Swap. Oh, yeah, Crib Swap's so silly. Yeah, so I counted that. So just tribal, or sorry, tribal, giant tribal, tribal also known as tribal pieces. <laughs> there's about 18. So you're well on your way to a giant tribal deck, but it's not there. You'll have to do a, quite a bit of work to make it giant tribal. Yeah. Um, and then Voltron stuff was another category. Just because Kalemni wants to hit people, she's got double strike. 
So, you know, in general, what we, you would normally do with like a Rafik type deck, something with double strike is want to give it unblockable and a bunch of power and just smash people in the face. Yep. There's really only two Voltron pieces. There's um, Loxodon Warhammer and Lightning Greaves. Yeah, Lightning Greaves, you wrote here, is it even Voltron? That's true because it gives the creature a shroud. Yeah. Uh, it is nice, though, because Shroud is awesome and equips for zero and it gets haste as well, but that means that you can't cast anything on that creature once it's equipped. Yeah, it, it, it protects your commander, so you might even run So it. much it protects it from yourself. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, I don't know, but those are the only two things that I'd really call Voltron pieces. Mm-hmm. Traditional, anyway. There are some creatures that maybe buff all giants, blah, 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 so that could be related. Uh, and then just... For the sake of it, I wanted to know if there was an Anya strategy that was supported. So I looked for cards that did damage to like everything or everybody or just encouraged aggression mm-hmm. between other players. And there's about 12 cards that fit in those two categories. So, nice. so that Anya, strategy kind of works for any of the Boros commanders, but specifically very well with Anya. Yeah, and the Myriad uh, mechanic falls mm-hmm. in this category where it sort of hits everybody. So Anya is not like the most supported. Obviously, Kalemni is supported a lot more. But Anya's not like Car- Uncle Carl was, where there was only about four cards in that whole deck that worked with Uncle Carl. Right. Uh, Anya, I think you can keep in here just fine, and and she will do some stuff. And it's almost the type of card that's better in your 99, because if they can see it right there on the table, it's totally different than if you play it and two people happen to be at 18 life, and they're yeah. like, oh, crap. That thing's indestructible. Yep. Uh-oh, didn't see that one coming. Yeah, exactly. So uh, what does this tell us? I think it tells us that you want Kalemni. And you're sort of playing like a, a giant tribal deck, but it's not fully tuned. Yeah, it's definitely not fully tuned. And it's kind of, it's more just like scrapping it together. You're just kind of getting your fisticuffs up and hoping to punch someone out before you die and <laughs> don't have any more cards in your hand. Fisticuffs like old 1940s, yeah, old sc- like yeah, old yeah. brother, we're out there fighting. <laughs> Pretty much. I'm a Dapper Dan man. <laughs> I am a man. Oh, yeah. Constant sorrow. That's the song we should have sang at the start, but we didn't know that the whole whatever. Anyway, it's not a Christmas song. Josh, yeah, come on. That's a good point. Um, so what do we think of Kalemni and the deck? I mean, I, I put it seems sort of schizophrenic. Yeah, um, it definitely does not have enough card draw. The f- the the fuel tank for this deck it it runs out fast. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the thing I noticed when playing against it. Yeah, I got to play against this a couple of times and with it uh, back when I was up in San Francisco and I was doing this whole the whole precon versus precon thing, which by the way is a lot of fun. It's great. Yeah, those decks are these decks are really well balanced against each other. And I, this deck was more fun than I expected it to be, uh, but also ran into the exact same problem multiple times, which is like you, once you run out of gas and you don't have a card draw engine, you are just sort of stuck in the water and just going off the top. Yeah, and it's not a great deck for going off the top because you need to like add experience counters to get Kalemni through. If anybody stabilizes against you, you have to have answers, but if you're not drawing yeah. cards, how are you supposed to find answers? And getting rid of Kalemni really sets you back in this deck, uh, especially if you're trying... If that's one of your main win conditions, as it probably will be if you're playing it. Yeah. I, I mean, I said before that the deck is sort of anti-synergy with, with itself because a double-striking commander is, by its very nature, a, a Voltron-y type of mechanic, right? Yeah. You want to pump up that creature and kill them with commander damage. But the problem is that this commander, actually, the text on it says, play big creatures. Well, big creatures don't synergize very well with Voltron. Yep. They get you experience counters, and Calamity gets bigger, but Voltron, you're not strapping it up with anything. You're not putting a sweet sword of on this thing and, and really beaten down. Yeah, a sword of is actually... like 
let's say I played a five CMC creature mm-hmm. that gives me one experience counter and makes Calamity plus one plus one. Do I want to do that or do I want to play a sort of which costs two to play, two to equip, and gives her plus two plus two yeah. and a bunch of other abilities and protection from two colors? Yeah, yeah, that's where. I don't know. I don't love the design. We're always begging on Boros. I'm sorry. I'm doing it again. I can't help it. Um, Not to mention, like, what's your reward for casting a five mana spell? Essentially, is two extra damage because she goes from a four four to a five five. Yeah, and then hits them for a ten instead of eight. You know, and you do have whatever the five CMC guy you cast is. But again, do you need that creature that badly? Because what's five more regular damage? Let's say it's a five five. Yeah, going to do on top of you know you're smashing them in the face for ten. They're going to die in two swings anyway yep three yep. swings i guess yeah um all right rah, 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 rah. done complaining <laughs> um let's talk about the best cards in the deck all of them there yeah, is there is one awesome card and it's actually kind of expensive just quickly got to like 15 dollars. yeah because it's the only deck that's printed in. it's the blade of selves everyone we've talked about this card uh it is straight up i think the the all-star of the whole set um this is like a commander player's dream like the first deck i built after my my um my uh my marchesa deck was like i want to abuse enter the battlefield abilities and it's just like value on the card and the blade of selves is two mana equipped for has myriad and uh well basically anytime the the, the equipped creature attacks it makes a copy of itself for every opponent for every opponent besides the one, besides you're, attacking. The one you're attacking yeah so any creature with a with an enter the battlefield effect just gets so much value off of this. The more people talk about this card, the more they mention cards it works well with, and you realize, like, not just well, but, like, like broken. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it already, just innocuous stuff like Moldrifter, Cloud Goat Ranger, whatever. That's just pure value. But when you start putting it on stuff like Craterhoof Behemoth and mm-hmm. Doomwake Giants and Grey Merchants of Asphodel, and just, that's like, you put it out, you swing, you win. Yeah. The, like, it has that power level. And the, the thing about this card is right of ref, replication super powerful, right? Mm-hmm. But you cast it and you're done. Well, this is you cast it, you equip it. If that doesn't work out, you equip it to something else. Yeah. You know, unless they destroy the blade, like you can use it again. Yeah, it's not like the cards stick around after battle, but that doesn't matter. Like you've gotten essentially everything you needed off of it to win. There's a lot of times when I've had a creator of Behemoth in hand too, and I'm like, well, I have enough mana to cast this, but I actually don't have enough creatures to yeah. win. You don't need really very many at all. You, I bet, with only two or three creatures, if they, and especially in larger games, if the game is five players, oh my gosh, the crater hoof, you make four of them. There'll be five total. They're all they all pump each other. Yeah. Like that might be enough right there. It's yeah, blade of cells is awesome. It's gonna go in a ton of decks. You're gonna be seeing it a lot. Yeah. So well, I hope you don't. But I mean, it's it may change the format enough that like instant speed artifact removal may be sort of required i mean cross and grip let's go there's already chaos warps and utter ends and that kind of stuff and yeah and it may just need more of that kind of stuff uh you may not not be able to skimp on it now yeah which i'm fine with um another of the best cards we already talked about gisela yeah pretty much when i played uh against this deck a couple of times both times gisela came out and gisela became the most important card on the board everyone was sort of like trying to steal it or kill Mm -hmm. it or you know and, and Giselle is that power level. Yeah, it warps the board stage so much. You can't help but just be like, well, now that that's out, my plans just got thrown in the toilet because I'm going to die in a turn, a single turn now because of that card. Yeah, it's she changes not just one rule. She changes two rules about the game, and yeah. that's like crazy. Yeah, yeah so very she's crazy. very, very good. 
Uh, another angel, the Angel of Serenity. This card is just an awesome card in general. It's four white, white, white for a 5-6 flying angel. And when it enters the battlefield, you can exile up to three other target creatures or creature cards from graveyards. And when it leaves the battlefield, return the cards to their owner's hand. So you can actually use this as a regrowth in a way by having it exile cards out of your own graveyard and then... Uh, or even even on the battlefield that like let's say you want a creature that you want to play again for their enter the battlefield effect. Mm-hmm. So the Angel of Serenity is both great at removing threats on the other side of the board and also potentially getting you value when it dies. Here's another card that works really good with uh, Blade of Selves. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this card's sweet. You just, oh my gosh. You swing and just exile everybody's permanence, and then it goes back to their hands. So you just yeah. sort of cyclonic rift everybody's creatures. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Notably, this is not when it leaves the battlefield. When it when it le- enters the graveyard, it's when it leaves, leaves the, battlefield. the battlefield. So yeah, yeah, you can bounce it to have it happen. You can have it be exiled, which is what Blade of Selves does because yep. Myriad exiles at the end of combat. Um, super cool. good card. There's another new card a lot of people are talking about, and I think this is a good addition to Boros type decks. Mm-hmm. Decks that have trouble with card draw is the Sandstone Oracle. It's seven mana for a four four artifact creature Sphinx, flying. So it's a four four flyer for seven. Not great, but when Sandstone Oracle enters the battlefield, choose an opponent. If that player has more cards in hand than you, draw cards equal to the difference. Sounds great. This sounds awesome, especially since you're Boros. You almost always have the least amount of cards, and just so often in any given game of Commander, some some crazy person has 15 or 20 cards in their hand. You call himself crazy? Yeah, I'm always that person. <laughs> it's you or Kessler, pretty much. You guys my, love your value, all right. Well, my decks are always built to just draw cards. Sometimes that's all they do, <laughs> but they will do that. Um, this is a good addition to a lot of decks, especially what, decks with white, and it is colorless. Yeah. And I think this deck really needs it. Yep, yep. All right, let's talk about some of the worst cards. Uh, Curse of the Nightly Hunt. It's just one of those meh enchantments although it's the first time i've seen an, an enchantment aura curse <laughs> <laughs> two in a red enchant player creatures enchanted player controls uh, attack each turn if able you you haven't seen these because no one actually plays them because they're not yeah good. exactly uh i would rather play like a goblin diplomats the problem with this card is that it's a specific uh player and it and it is only that player and it's only on their turns you know I, it's just too limited i yep. like the idea it's cool like oh cool they have to attack and i can block and kill them or whatever but they or don't they even have, have to attack you yeah exactly it's i mean i like goblin diplomats because it just says attack a creature's attack this turn if able and you can tap it at instant speed so it can be any of the players around the table so yep. if you want this kind of effect there are better versions of that there, there. are uh red enchantments that just make each player uh, has to attack with all their creatures on their turn yeah so if you want that effect, and that's really an Anya type effect, but it might be good in Calumny too, just so nobody can block. Mm-hmm. Because if all your creatures have to attack, then it's hard to block. You'd have to play a creature, you know, that that, that has summoning sickness. But yeah, um, yeah, card's just not worth it. Next one uh, is Faith's Fetters. It's three and a white for an enchantment aura. Enchant permanent. When Faith Faith's Fetters, gosh, hard to say, dude. When <laughs> Faith's Faith, Fetters. When Faith's Fetters. Who named that card? James Bianca. Probably not. When Faith is fed, I'm just playing. Like just called out James. <laughs> yeah. James, it was you. This card's probably like super old, and he wasn't even like, you know, he was in like eighth grade when this card came out. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll just start over because now everybody's forgotten. It's three and a white for an enchantment aura. Enchant permanent. When Faith's fetters enters the battlefield, you gain four life. Woo! Enchant permanence. Enchanted permanence activated abilities can't be activated unless they're mana abilities. If enchanted permanent is a creature, it can't attack or block. So. You can sort of turn off a Planeswalker if you feel like it. You can. It's like pacifism that costs one more mana and gives you some life. I mean, 
It's like, blah. <laughs> I don't uh, really care about this. It card. just doesn't do enough. It's 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 narrow for no really good reason. Yeah, look at like Grasp of Fate. Grasp of Fate is in the Daxos deck. It's a new enchantment. It's one and two white. When Grasp of Fate enters the battlefield, for each opponent, exile up to one target non-land permanent that player controls until Grasp of Fate leaves the battlefield. So it O-rings, but for each of your opponents, for three mana, what the heck is Face Fetters doing? It sort of turns off a creature, unless it's a mana dork. It's For four mana, very slow. it only does one. You could yeah. get one from each of your opponents for rather, one last mana. I'd rather play Stasis Snare from Battle for Zendikar, yeah, which is for an sure. instant speed, essentially. Get rid of a creature. Uh, I don't know. This this card just seems like it was just a lazy addition, and it was just a common slot. Let's put in a pacifism-esque effect, and this is what we get. Faith's Feathers. Take this card out. Take it out. Yeah, replace it with Path to Exile. For right? sure. I mean, yeah, that's what you want. That's really what you're looking to do. Um, and uh, this is an interesting one, Sun Titan. Some people are going to very much disagree that we put this on here. Well, I mean, there are arguments for and against it. Uh, as you know, that there are only five creatures that have CMC three or less. Let's read Sun Titan just so you guys know what it does. This is one of the best cards in Commander, I think, in general. Uh, it's four white, white for a six six with vigilance. That's already great. Whenever Sun Titan enters the battlefield or attacks, you may return target permanent card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So some decks really abuse this. Well, they'll they'll bring out some like. Creatures that just have crazy enter the battlefield abilities or enchantments. Just um, recur them over and over. Artifacts. Yep. Now, there are only five creatures with CMC three or less, so he doesn't have very many targets. The main his main targets are mana rocks. Yeah, that if if somebody Vandal blasts you, then Sun Titan can sort of get you out of that. But at yeah. that point, I don't know. I, I just I feel like without changing the deck quite a bit, and Sun Titan's an awesome card. So if you do make some additions and subtractions to the deck then Sun Titan might get good. But yeah. by far, the most likely things to be in your graveyard are going to be your creatures. Mm-hmm. For one thing, there's 30 of them, so they're most of your deck. And you only have five targets that Sun Titan can hit out of that. Yeah, for your creatures. Um, and, I, I mean, he does trigger Calumny's ability to get an experience counter, but it's, I think, not just not good enough here. Yeah, I, this is a little bit, maybe you could keep it, maybe you couldn't. I just, it kind of, like, irked me. It's like... Here's a deck that's all about big creatures, and then here's a big creature, except for it wants you to have small creatures. Yeah. Ugh. Womp womp. Let's talk about some notable reprints. Gisela, once again, pops back into the fray. Gisela is notable, and she is a reprint. Uh, this is the first time she's been reprinted. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, she was in Innistrad before, and now she's back. She's back. <laughs> um, Urza's Incubator is an interesting one. This is three mana for an artifact. As Urza's Incubator enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creatures of the chosen type cost two less to cast, so mm-hmm. you're going to choose giants. Yep. And this is a very good card, and it's not just good in the giant tribal deck. It's also good in the, you know, angel tribal deck or the probably not elves so much, but... Goblin tribal would like this. Yeah, any tribal deck Yeah. probably besides elves wants and this. And this is the first time this has been reprinted, too, since Urza's Destiny, so that's kind of cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's why it says Urza on it. We don't have a lot of cards anymore that say Urza <laughs> on it, but there used to be a lot. Yeah, and uh, finally, we have Lightning Greaves, which is the amazing uh, Haste and Shroud artifact equipment. Um, this card is always going to be good, and you're always going to find a deck that wants it. Um, it's just sweet. you know. Just giving a creature haste for zero mana is great. Splitfoot Boots is awesome. It's hexproof and haste, but it costs one to equip. Sometimes just being able to swing this around to creatures at, at for zero mana is really important. 
Yeah, it, it sort of can give all your creatures haste. It can't give like multiple creatures in the same turn. Yeah. But it's a very, very good card, and it's a sort of a staple card. I'd say Lightning Greaves is one of those cards that pops up, not quite like Soul Ring levels, mm-hmm. but is very often in, in many, many Commander decks. Yeah, and if you have two creatures out, let's say you do want to cast something onto the creature with the Greaves on, it costs you zero to switch it to another creature, enchant your creature or whatever, and then pop the Greaves back on. Yeah, yeah, really good point. Yeah. Um. All right, let's talk about the deck. How's it play? You played it. Yeah. I, you know, it's not as powerful as Marin or Mizzix um, or Azuri or Daxos. I think it's I think it's close to Azuri Daxos level. Yeah, I, you know, I think I, Marin's clearly the best. Um, Mizzix say, is second, and I think that the gap is not huge though. Yeah, and it was interesting because I did play all of these decks or against them, and Daxos actually seemed like it floundered the most out of all the decks. So maybe Calumny's a little better than Daxos and about the same as Azuri, because if you're going to play Azuri with Azuri as the commander, it, it's a very all-in kind of strategy, which mm-hmm. is what this deck is, and that's why it's its greatest weakness. It's just, yeah, it's just hard to win with this deck. You really have to maneuver well. It's really interesting this I found that this deck had the most board wipes of all the decks. Mm-hmm. And yet it was the one that least wanted to have the board wiped. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Mizix, he doesn't really play any creatures, so they don't care about board wipes. Marin yeah. recurs all of her stuff. She doesn't care about board wipes. Daxos makes tokens, so he doesn't care about board wipes. And then uh Azuri wants to play a bunch of little creatures, so yeah, board wipes aren't great, but yeah. recovering for them's easy. Because you just have less mana invested on the board at any time. Mm-hmm. Whereas Calumny plays a bunch of huge creatures, so then board wipes hurt you the most. Costs you a ton of mana. Which and- is, is it's kind of cool design, though, from the pre-con, just straight out of the box perspective, is that they gave it a bunch of board wipes, but also you're not always going to want to use them. Yeah, I found that I enjoyed playing the deck more than I thought I would. Uh, some cards like Hamletback Goliath just got out of control when oh, yeah. I was playing against it, and then uh, Wes had it out, and they brought out the Loxnum Warhammer. And then we got rid of it, and they played Sun Titan. And it was like one of the few things <laughs> Get that it back. he could recur. Yeah, and it just ended up winning. He was at like 180 life, something insane, because the Hamletback life just kept growing and growing and growing. So, I mean, the deck has the power to beat down, that's for sure. One thing I found when playing these pre-con decks against each other straight out of the box is that you get a really skewed view of what cards are good and what aren't. Because like you said, mm-hmm. the Hamletback Goliath is... Um, it's a card that's actually not that good against a tune deck because a tune deck has a lot of, you know, utter end, yeah, path to exile, it'll do all sorts cyclonic of things. Yeah, exactly. But in the pre-con decks, the really powerful cards are actually like cards that sort of slowly grow. Mm-hmm. So like that v- vulturous zombie that we said was not good in the Marin deck, it's actually good when you're just playing the pre-cons against each other because there's not a lot of answers to a single big threat. Yeah. Whereas most commander decks, when they're tuned, are built to beat single big threats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just not that much one-to-one removal in any of these decks or board wipes. So, well, sometimes each, each of them have five around. to six, which is about as many as we normally want. But you don't have any tutors. Yeah, so you just have to actually just draw it. And you know, in any game, only three or four of those are going to be drawn. So, the fifth or sixth big threat that gets played is just going to sort of stick around. Yep. So I, I like the deck, but it wasn't obviously my favorite. I still don't know if I'm ever going to make a Boros deck. I'm just waiting for that right commander to come around or to find something really fun to do with it. Kind of like your uh, Stop Hitting Yourself deck, even though yeah. that's Mardu. It's, it's got a similar theme and ideas. I want to I do something similar to that if I'm going to build a Boros deck. Well, they're going to have to design some new Boros commanders because right now they just keep giving us ones that want to attack. Five-color Boros. Here we go. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't think that's Boros. That's not how it works? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to the cards to add section. And we have a subsection within cards to add, and it's card draw. Yeah, big surprise. 
So um, it's it's going going brown, guys. Casting a lot of artifacts. Yep, I think. Well, some red has actually decent card draw. We're not going to read all these cards because we talk about them all the time. But like Mind's Eye, Wheel of Fortune, Outpost Siege. Right. There's that new uh, Magus of the Wheel as That's well. That's a good one. Um, anything that gives you card draw, Chandra Pyromaster is another one. You know, red has that type of card draw that says exile the top card of your library. You may play it until end of turn. Those cards are good. Yeah. Magus of the wheel, by the way, is in the deck. So, (laughs) oh, Magus of the wheel is already there. Uh, that kind of card draw, you are going to want to add quite a bit of it because you're going to want a ton of ramp. You might even want more ramp than this. Mm -hmm. Um, and then another thing we always talk about with all the decks, right? And so just to go over it again, this is a philosophy sort of of the show, which is that there are certain things we want in all commander decks, card draw, ramp, single target removal, board wipes. But we want those things in those categories to synergize with our commander. So if it's Mizzix and he wants instants and sorceries, sorry, she mm-hmm. wants instants and sorceries, then I want my card draw and my man ramp to be on instants and sorceries. And I want my, you know, but if it's Marin and Marin is re- recurring creatures from the graveyard, well, now I want my man ramp and card draw to be on creatures because i want to be able to recur them yeah using marin so in calumny i want man ramp and card draw and i want that to be on five cmc plus creatures another reason why the deck is tough because that doesn't really those two things don't work together for one and also there's just not a ton of things that cross over into those two categories yeah um one of them is oblivion sower this card is really good i love this card and it's very good in this deck because it it it's what well what do we say it's a five CMC plus creature that mana ramps you. Yeah, it's a six mana Eldrazi, uh, and when it when you cast it, target opponent exiles the top four cards of their library. Then you may put any number of land cards that player owns from exile onto the battlefield under your control. So sometimes people just have lands exiled because they cast Treasure Cruise or whatever, yep. and so you actually get those lands as well when you cast Oblivion Sower. So it's it's ramp, um, and it's also just a six mana five eight, which is great. Triggers Clemny's ability, does everything you want it to do. Yep. Uh, Another one that's in this category, not quite as good, is Kozilek's Channeler. Right. It's a five mana four four that can tap for two colorless mana. Uh, also from Battle for Zendikar. It's again, it's ramp, and it puts a counter on Kalemni. Now, ramp once you're already at five mana is not as important. So this one's not as good, but as a yeah. budget option. I mean, Oblivion Sower is really good in the deck. Yeah, uh, I uh, this deck also needs ways to win. I think, and Kalemni, as great as she is, not that great. Uh, isn't going to always be able to hit for lethal. And when she does, it's like, oh, she, I got you for like 18 commander damage. Like, see you next turn. I yeah. hope I'm still around. Yeah, you don't want that to happen. I think this deck could definitely benefit from cards like Scourge of the Throne, which is, you know, you get to take an extra combat step, and it's also just a giant dragon with Z-Throne. Um, so, like, stuff like that, getting extra combat steps is really valuable because it means that you may be able to kill someone this turn that you weren't able to otherwise. Yeah, for sure. Extra combat steps are always good in these aggressive decks. Uh, you know, I think the first card I would add to this deck is Stonehewer Giant. Hey, it's a giant. It's a giant. It's, it's five three, mana. It's three and two white for a four four giant warrior with vigilance. It also has an activated ability. Pay one and a white. Tap the Stonehewer. Search your library for an equipment card and put it onto the battlefield. Attach it to a creature you control. Then shuffle your library. Wow. So this is sort of like uh uh. Uh, what's the little creature that does a similar thing? Oh, the one in Stoneforge Mystic. Stoneforge Mystic. Yeah, except this is a giant, and it gives Kalemnia a counter. And also, like, hey, for two mana the very next turn, at instant speed, I can put yeah. sort of whatever and whatever I want on or it. Or if you have Lightning Greaves, you can do it this turn if you have seven mana when you cast this guy, you know? Well, it has to have uh, haste. 
Because well, you got lightning greaves gives haste. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought you meant go get lightning greaves, which you oh, can right. do in yes, response exactly. to a removal spell oh. once Stone Hewer is active. That's actually really cool. Yeah. Um, or you can go get sort of Caldra or whatever other Voltron piece you have. And I think you're not going to have a ton because Kalemni mm-hmm. wants big creatures to be cast, but you're going to have sort of X and Y. Yeah. The equipping for free is actually really important <clears> because <throat> that a lot of times is what stops you from being able to really go all out. It's like, I can play this, but I don't have, to man- have enough man to equip it. Or, like, I want to equip it to another creature this turn after this is done. And so this is great. It cheats out both the mana cost of the of the, of the the equipment so you can get something huge, and it also equips it. So grafted exoskeleton, here we come. <laughs> there you go. That's just dead. Just kill you. If, if, yeah. if Calumny's at least a 5-5, five, five, then, and you you're, have Stone Hero out. You're gone, too. Yep. Um, Sword of the Animist. Oh, yes. This came you know, out we Magic Origins. Yeah, we haven't talked about this card a ton, but it's very good in these Boros decks that have trouble ramping. You know, I mentioned earlier that having all your ramp, 100% of it, be artifacts is very, very scary Mm -hmm. because anything that says destroy all artifacts is just sets you back to the Stone Age. So, so, and that's the thing green has and some of the other colors can sort of do, which is they get extra lands into play. And lands are just way more safe in Commander because we have this social contract where it's quote-unquote mean to destroy people's lands. Also can't counter a land drop. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, So Sword of the Animist is a way that decks that don't have green can cheat extra lands into play. Mm -hmm. So Sword of the Animist is two mana for a equipment. It gives target or it has an equip cost of two. Uh, Equip creature gets plus one, plus one. So it does give a stat bonus. Whenever equip creature attacks, you may search your library for a basic land. Put it onto the battlefield, taps, and then shuffle your library. Uh, the interesting thing about Sword of the Animus is the uh, the flavor text says this blade glows only for Zendikar's chosen. So if you're not chosen by Zendikar, you shouldn't put this in your deck. Is Eroas on Zendikar? I think it's on Theros. <laughs> Whatever. Flavor Whatever. fail. Still put it in Still there. Still put it in there, yeah. Um, it, oh, by the way, Stone Hero Giant does go get the Blade of Selves, too. It so. does. Hey, very nice. Stone Hero Giant, a card that I think is vastly underrated because people are like, oh, it's not instant speed. It doesn't like tutor it out immediately like Stoneforge Mystic. It's like, who cares? Get an next turn. Who's going to kill your giant in the meantime? It puts it out and equips it at instant speed. Yeah. It's bonkers. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. Um, sword of uh, blah, blah, as you writ- wrote here. I'm guessing you just meant the sword of cycle. Sword of feast and famine, sort of whatever you want. Yeah, Let- light and shadow. Yeah. I would put a couple of them in if you can afford it. Feast and famine is the best one for commander because it untaps all your mana, so it's ramp. Yeah, I like sort of light and shadow because you get to return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. That's good. Uh, and so that's good for, again, either putting counters on Calumny or just getting value back. Yep. So. I like that. It's kind of like card draw. Yeah, exactly. And all these swords give plus two, plus two. So if you're going to go the Calumny beatdown route, the, this is this is where you want to go. And then the last one that we'll talk about, uh, and we did get kind of spendy here at the end. We know, um, you know, we like to talk about some cheap cards and some expensive cards. This one's more expensive. It's Avacyn, Angel of Hope. It's five and three white for an eight eight flying vigilance indestructible. It says other permanents you control have indestructible. Yep, sounds about right. This card's insane. It's just very very good. And when you think about it, this is back to our philosophy, one of the core philosophies of the show. If this is a Voltron deck, mm-hmm. you might play something like Dark Steel Plate. But this is a Voltron deck that cares about five CMC plus creatures. Yes. Well, Avacyn is sort of like a Dark Steel Plate because she gives all your permanents indestructible, but she's also a five CMC plus creature. Yeah. So 
it's sort of within that philosophy. Anyway, Avacyn's just broken anyway. Yeah, she's straight up just the most powerful creature <laughs> that this deck could probably have because it's you know it's going to stop you from getting board wiped, and that really is going to set you back in this deck too. So plus she's an eight eight flying vigilance, so you don't have to worry about really getting attacked except for by Cassetto or something. Yeah, and a lot of these creatures that or like effects that say uh, permanents you control, other permanents you control of indestructible are not indestructible themselves. So it's like oh, it's just get rid of that thing. Avacyn's indestructible. Man, ever since so like that's she's like Gisela, where when you put her out, the whole entire game becomes about getting rid of or taking control of Avison. I'm more on the side of taking control of it because I'm a bad person. I'm a I'm a bad man. I'm a bad I'm man. I'm a bad man. Hey, you play your eight mana spell for four mana, I steal it. <laughs> um all right. This is just an overview of a quick way to sort of increase the deck's power level and maybe make it a little bit more tuned up. Um, obviously you can go crazy and go giant tribal, which is a, a good way to go. I think with the deck, but yeah, would certainly. require like a pretty big overhaul. Like right now there's 18 cards. Yeah. So you would have to take out about what? 45 cards or so. And giant add in. tribal would be fun though. Yeah. I'm not a tribal guy myself. And I know a lot of people have asked us to talk tribal on the show. We probably should and probably will at some point. Uh, but to me, yeah, I've never really been a big tribal guy. Yeah. Maybe you will. Maybe you will become one. It'll be a fun exercise when we do it eventually. Uh, I guess Goblin Tribal is pretty much every deck I build. Goblins are awesome. <laughs> That's the one tribe that I would probably want to do. Well, Mizzix is kind of a start, although you would not put other goblins no, in there. No, there's only one goblin in that deck. Yeah. It's Mizzix. That's funny. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the end step where we talk about something cool outside of the world of magic. And if you guys follow me or Command Cast or Josh on Twitter, we've been tweeting a lot about this in the last week. It is... Rocket Jump the show. Yeah. Yeah, this has been something that's been in the works for over a year now, I think, at Rocket Jump. Uh, essentially, Well over a year. Yeah, it's it's eight episodes. It's a new miniseries, and it's being released every single week on Hulu. And it's essentially what Matt and Frey describe as the eight best shorts the internet will ever see. Bum, bum, bum. A little bit of hyperbole, but it is true. These, these are eight short films uh, ranging from eight to ten minutes each that are all incredible, really funny high budget high production value actually not that high budget it's it's definitely on the lower end of budget but very high production value so it feels big um and the episode format is you get to watch 20 minutes of behind the scenes and how the company got to figuring out this is the short they wanted to do how it got written what they what hurdles they ran into in the production process and then they show it at the end of the episode yeah it's very much like project greenlight except for project greenlight is like super overproduced reality tv yeah. that's like fake and, and dramatic and people are yelling at each other and there's no, no and, love i mean okay well here's a slight tangent <laughs> working in the entertainment industry and knowing a lot of people that work on reality tv it's a misnomer it's not real mm-hmm. reality tv they named it reality tv so that you would think oh it must be real but it's not they have writers yep they orchestrate all kinds of things shows like project Greenlight. You think they're picking the director that they think will make the movie the best? They're not. They're picking the person with the most, with the personality type that will make the best each episode of Project Greenlight, not the best movie. Yeah. So all the decisions they're making are not for quote unquote reality. Yeah. It's for making drama during the show. So they want people that are going to clash and they're going to argue and they're not going to get along because that makes for drama and quote unquote good TV. And that's how Survivor works. And that's how all these shows work. This is not how. Rocket Jump the Show works. Rocket yeah. Jump the Show is actually like artists supporting each other, trying to make a good product and being passionate and like really like 
really, really earnest about what they're doing. And yeah. that, that to me is why the show is so great. Yeah, it's like you get to actually watch also like a really detailed behind the scenes look at how something gets made, but also like the collaborative effort that goes into it. And, it, you know, it takes a village to to make one of these short films. And it's by by no means just a single director's vision is going to make the whole thing happen. It's every single person has to commit and, and do something together. And it's really great. Uh, I find it really inspiring to watch this kind of stuff, much more than shows that just want to create drama for drama's sake. If you have any interest in creative endeavors, not just filmmaking, uh, even if you don't, but if you do, then this show is going to be really, 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 really informative to you yeah. about the creative process and sort of how pe other people go about it and just how passionate they are and how much they put into it. It's yeah. inspiring is such a great word for it. Yeah, certainly. You should go to, uh, uh, if you're in the U.S., go to rocketjump.com slash Hulu, and you get a whole free month of Hulu, so you can watch up to, I think, five episodes uh, before your free month runs out. Uh, and you can the first episode's incredible. It features a short called High Plains Drifter, which is essentially the wild, wild west horse racing meets the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Yeah, it's Drift. the Fast and Furious, but on horses. Yeah. It's uh, awesome. It is awesome, yeah. And then you can also go to, if you're an international viewer, you can watch the whole first episode at youtube.com slash rocketjump right now. Go do it right now. Do it. There's what are you waiting for? To. 30 minutes. And I, if you don't like it, uh, I will personally give you your money back. Give you your money back. Yeah. <laughs> money back guarantee. You're here. No, seriously. It is awesome. Cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, yeah. Definitely check it out. Yeah. I'm in the first episode too. In, in the uh, the film part. I'm not in the making of. That is reason enough right there. Hey. You're in a couple of them, right? Yeah. I'm in two of them total. Awesome. Very uh, exciting. All right. All right. Clean up set. Something else you've been in on occasion. Not recently. They keep asking me, and I keep not being able to make the date, but soon I will be on there, so keep your eyes peeled. In fact, probably go subscribe now just so that you're ready when I'm on there. Not so much Jimmy, mostly me. It's the <laughs> Masters of Modern, the podcast. Uh, Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman are the hosts. They talk about modern, yep. competitive magic. They have really good guests. I think they just had one of the top eight competitors um, at one of the recent modern GPs. Yeah, GP Pittsburgh. Yep, and... Um, you can just learn so much from those guys and about like tightening up your play. It really does even work for commander. You can find them at rockjump.com slash the MM cast. You can follow them on Twitter at the MM cast. All right. And our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. Special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who provides the living card animations. We have every single episode animated with the cards up and everything you can check all those out at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast also on rocketjump.com slash the command zone we upload the videos there uh, so you can watch them on that website as well and you can find jeffrey himself at living cards mtg on twitter Ooh. oh my gosh speaking of our youtube page we're getting really close <gasps> to our cool uh collaboration videos that we did with the professor oh yeah if you guys follow josh on twitter he's been teasing out a couple of pictures uh and it looks sweet so keep your eyes peeled for that definitely hit the subscribe button on youtube so that you know the moment that those go live they're going to be pretty sweet yeah and we're almost up to ten thousand subscribers on youtube oh we're That's getting so close exciting. yeah really we're cool. almost up to episode 100 of the show oh boy what holy gonna, crap what are we gonna do i don't know we better start thinking about it i gotta get some party poppers <laughs> uh done that's what we're gonna do that's it <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator.
Greetings, humans. (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.